Hi, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising as One podcast. Before we begin, I'd love to thank several sponsors. I'd like to thank the Beautiful Game Network first. You can find all their stuff at bgn.fm. They're responsible for getting many great USL podcasts out, so please give them a look. Also go to firebirdsoccer.net. This is the new website for our former Firebird Rising coverage, so you can find all sorts of great coverage for Phoenix Rising FC and other soccer-related news in the state of Arizona, all at firebirdsoccer.net. And lastly, we would like to thank Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is a uh, sponsor for, you know, MLS teams, USL teams, all sorts of other stuff. So go to Roughneck Scarves and find a scarf today. And now let's get on to the show. This is Dominic Kearns with the Rising and Black Podcast, and here with me this week is Jeff Flint. Jeff, how are you doing? Doing all right, Dominic. Uh, you know, tough effort uh, last night from the boys. Uh, I guess not one of those, you know, kind of, I'm not too surprised. I mean, granted, you're surprised by the result. I'm not too surprised being that they had such a long layoff. But, you know, this will be... You know, as we'll talk throughout this thing, this will probably be the first piece of adversity uh, this club has had to face in quite a while. Definitely, and I'm sure there will be more ahead. Before we dive all the way into that game, I want to thank our sponsors, the Arizona Sports Complex. The Arizona Sports Complex is located in Glendale, and with new air conditioning, they have leagues for all ages. So stop by there, let them know that the Rising is One Pod sent you, and get a discount. Um, I would also like to thank my friend Alex Muziel. If you're wondering what that new intro was, that was one of his beats. He makes beats. Check him out at Muziel Productions on SoundCloud. Um, but let's now, if you're ready, get into that Fresno match. Yeah, let's dive into this real quick. Obviously, the only change from the lineup that uh, last played 15 days ago uh, was putting Duigi Mala on the right-hand side of the defense in the back four, obviously due to the Cody Wakasa red card. Um, but the rest of the lineup stayed the same. So, I mean, it's not a surprise that Rick would, would trot out the same lineup again, um, you know, for this match. But obviously you could tell early on that 15-day layoff really had an effect on this club. I mean, you know, to only get, you know, one real... Real solid chance in the first 25 minutes, um, you know, that being uh, the Gladson Awako shot in the 17th minute. Um, you know, you could you could just tell that the boys were, were trying to find their legs once again. It just seemed like, you know, they yeah, they were making the passes they needed to make, but the runs seemed to be a little bit off. You know, there were, there were times where, the, you know, Cortez would miss one right at the beginning there or... It would be, you know, Asante uh, couldn't couldn't finish a run. It was a heavy touch. Awako had some heavy touches. You could you could see early the 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 fifteen day layoff may have affected them a little bit. Um, you get you know get into the you know the middle part of this first half. Uh, you know, big save by Carl Wazinski in the twenty fourth minute on a shot from Ribeiro. He had to punch that out just to save a corner kick, and then obviously giving up the goal in the twenty fifth minute off a set piece. Uh, uh, Cheney gets the goal, out jump, he out jumped Chris Cortez, and and you know, 
if there's been a soft spot on this club this year, you know, to, to start this season, you know, we're halfway through it now. But, you know, the, the one soft spot has been we have not been defending set pieces very well. And it's in the middle part of this season, you know, the first few weeks is kind of rough. And then I thought that we really improved. I mean, no goal June. But it seems like when we are giving a goal up, it is that set piece defense that often rears its head. Here's another question that I think is worth asking. Um, Luigi Mola got the start at right back last night, and that's really not a position he plays much of. Um, do you think that that was the right move, putting Mola in there? Because I know he hasn't had a lot of starts this season, especially the last month or two. But do you think that was the right move? Yeah, I think it was the right move. I, you know, I didn't really see that his play wasn't really that bad out on the right hand side. You know, the right hand side. Granted, he's probably more of a central defender, you know, and would probably fit a little bit better in there than maybe say like a Mike Defont. You know, he, you know, you kind of you could have probably pushed him out right, maybe. You know, but you know, I don't think Duigi played that bad out there on the right hand side. I thought he, you know, he held his own. You know, he he really didn't give up any any real bad chances. So, I mean, you know, for when you look at it that way, I would say he was okay for the most part. And, and one other question. This, is, this seems to be a recurring theme, even in matches that we've won on the road this season. A slow start in the first half, especially the first 20, 25 minutes. Do you think that we just have to get used to this the rest of the season? Or should we be more open from the very get-go? I think we need to be more open from the get-go. I I totally agree with that part of the comment. I mean, like you said, too many times we sit back too early and, you know, we're giving up that 15-minute goal, 20-minute goal. You know, here, you know, in the game last night it was 25th minute. You know, but we've, you know, granted, we've seen stretches where they pick it up in in the middle portion of the game, but you shouldn't have to do that at that point. And I think that's something that hopefully... You know, Rick will address this week, you know, as they get ready for Seattle, you know, but, you know, I also tend to think that a lot of this was the, you know, a 15 day layoff as well. I mean, think about it. He gave the guys, you know, the, you know, he gave the guys seven days off. If you listen to the, to the, uh, the Fresno broadcast last night with Mike Watts on, on the broadcast, he gave the boys seven days off before they came back and, and got into the rhythm of things. And, I, you know, not, not to say that that's a bad thing, but I think that, you know, could have possibly been a contributing factor as to, you know, how this result went down. I mean, obviously they're the south, and we'll get to that shortly. Right. So we see the goal. Um, pretty nice goal, in all honesty. Uh, Shane, who's a, or by Chaffee, excuse me. Um, he placed it really well. You can't blame Carl for that. Um, take us through the rest of this first half. Yeah, you know. And the controversy that followed. You know, you, you see him pick it up a little bit. You know, Waco gets a shot off. You know, just mi- just missing the 27th. Asante, you know, misses, on, you know, had a nice free kick, but missed somebody on the back post. Uh, you know, Cortez had a header in the 35th that went off the mark. Uh, you know, Lambert had a nice ball, you know, to the back post in the 40th that Rainish uh, had grabbed, but unfortunately nobody got to it. And then obviously you get to the red card right at the end of the first half. It's a bad challenge by Lambert. I, I agree with, you know, I, I, I agree with the Fresno people actually that said, you know, I was, they were really surprised that it was a red card. You know, they, they could have seen yellow for sure, 
But, you know, one of the things it did mention was, you know, studs were up. And I think maybe that's what that's what the referee saw was the studs up. And that's what ended up, you know, him earning the red card. You know, I, you know, I was a little surprised. But then again, I'm not with the way, you know, the referees in the USL have been calling a lot of things, you know. So, again, puts him on the back foot for the second straight game now. But this time it's even worse because you're already down a goal. Right, and I guess, you know, I don't want to really rant too much, but you talk about, you talk about like, refereeing standards and what does it take to call a straight red card, especially in the first half of a match that wasn't particularly physical at that point. I mean, does he get there late? Yes. Is it a yellow card offense? Yes, because he gets the leg. He doesn't really get a piece of the ball. But to call a straight red in that situation, I mean, I feel like these refs have to, one, understand a little bit of context when they're making these decisions. And two, just think about, you know, the game itself. He wasn't really going studs up even. The player wasn't really appealing for a red card. I, it's just wild that that decision was made as a straight red because it effectively kills the game. And there wasn't a lot of precedent for that. I mean, based on physical play early in the match, you like to see refs give a couple warnings. And this is several times now this season where the ref has not given those warnings. It's just a straight red card. And, you know, we've been able to get away with it against Orange County which was probably a legit red card, and in a couple other situations. But I think the fact still remains, use a little bit of discretion, especially in the early part of the game like that. Yeah, especially when, you know, there hadn't been a lot of fouls called. He had really been letting a lot of the play go early. So, yeah, I, I can understand where, you know, where, yeah, should that not be a red card? Yeah, I, in, in all honesty, it, it shouldn't, you know, it shouldn't have been. Am I, the am I, color guy even admitted. Yeah. He even admitted that's a bit harsh, that shouldn't be a red card. And what a call like that does, especially even having a tap. Yeah. Because in the second half, they did start to get that rhythm going. It's just so much tougher to find those other guys, and then they're going to be holding back. Yeah, but am, am I surprised with, with the way, you know, how inconsistent, you know, it, it's been throughout the year? Yeah, I mean... Uh, but I, you know, I think it's gotten to a point now where we just learn to expect it and, and know that it's going to probably happen. So, you know, for what it's worth, you know, down a man you go at the half. But, you know, when we get, you know, as we start the second half here, even the announcers for Fresno were saying, does it look like Phoenix is playing with 10 men? No, it doesn't. Asante gets a shot off in the 47th that Rainish grabs. Asante gets another one, just misses the post in the 56th. Owako gets a, a shot just wide in the 63rd. So you see, the even though they're down a man, the pressure is staying up, and that you know and that was good to see from the guys. And for the first 20 minutes, they were able to keep the pressure up. Now, unfortunately, as you get as as you put the pressure on, they unfortunately give up the counterattack, and unfortunately, they let Ribeiro walk right down the center of the field. And this is one where I really question Mike DeFont and his defense. Uh, 
he just looked all out of sorts as Pedro Ribeiro went by him, you know, and, and trying to dive at the last minute where he's not even close. I mean, that's a that was a bad defensive standing there from from Defont giving up that second goal. I, now I understand you're trying to cover for the counter, but you know you, you got to at least stand up a little bit better than what you did there. I, I totally agree. And what was scary is Phoenix was on the front foot for most of that second half down a man. And yet there was another moment earlier in that half where a Fresno defender was able to take the ball from inside his own half straight up the middle of the park. And, you know, fortunately for Phoenix Rising, his last touch was a little bit too strong. It went right to Cole. But, you know, Farrell don't really learn the lesson. And unfortunately on that second goal, the thought was really made to pay for it. I mean, he was so flat-footed on that play. Terrell um, basically forcing the guy to go to his right where, you know, the thought is supposed to handle that in some sort of way and instead gets right by for one of the easiest finishes we'll see. Yeah. And then, of course, three minutes later, you know, it's another set piece again. This time it's a free kick from Juan Pablo Caffa. And it just looked like everybody was out of sorts on this play. And Carl didn't even move, had no chance, you know, at Kaffa's kick. And that's the second straight week that Kaffa's put one in the net like that. This one was a pretty one that puts him up 3 nothing. And at that point, you know at this point the game's over. And, you know, you're just trying to, to save face at this point. Exactly, exactly. At that point, you really know that down the man, it's not going to be your day. Um the fact that the two goals kind of go back-to-back like that. It's kind of like a boxer setting them up with a good job and then giving them with the map at times. And so at that point, you're just trying to avoid injuries, uh, maybe maybe snatch a goal at the end, and like you said, just save face. And, you know, we can get into it later. There was at least one opportunity where it really looked like there should have been a penalty opportunity for Phoenix and the shows his inconsistency and does nothing. Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah, really didn't do a whole lot, of, you know, in the, in that instance. And of course, you know, it again adds up. You know, Cortez had a shot just wide in the seventy-first. Barrera comes back with a shot in the seventy-third that Waz had to make a great save, but then follows that up. Jamal Jamal Johnson makes it four nothing. Uh, you know, Farrell doesn't get there in time for that one either. You know, this was just a bad night in general for the central defense. Just did not look like themselves. And, you know, this is where, I, like I said, you kind of go back to the point of, you know, you had 15 days off and, and you know, you, you had seven off. It just kind of seems like, you know, the guys just, you know, weren't quite into it. You know, even though you're down a man, you know, down, you know, down to 10, still that doesn't mean that, that you shouldn't be playing defense. And it just seemed like the defense had kind of stalled out at that point. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, goal is a fairly simple move up the right side. Jamal Johnson gets on as a sub, and he finds the right spot at the right time. But it's really just a ball squared back in the middle of the box. Um, anchors of space, you know, you don't think that there should be acres of space, especially when you've just given up two goals, but uh, acres of space, and Johnson does what he does best, puts it in the goal. Uh, he's been a scoring machine for Fresno, starting out off the bench, but yeah. um, 
and then four nil. So you're really behind it. Um, do you want to talk just for a couple seconds about that one uh, non-call that really should have been a penalty, in my opinion? Yeah, I thought you know I thought he was taken down in the box. I mean, I don't know what I don't know what he was looking at at that point, but I mean, it, it's clear. You know, it's clear he was. There's no dive in that situation. I mean, I, I just, and just for, I'm, I'm confused. Yeah, just for you some know. context, this is last ten minutes of the match. Uh, Kevon Frater gets into a good spot, ball is bouncing around in the box, and it looks pretty clearly like a Fresno defender takes him down, extended arms, which for me is the number one question I'm always asking. If a guy goes down, did the defender's arms extend? They were extended. Uh, he did not dive. And even the Fresno color commentator, again, was thinking that there would be a penalty kick, and none was given. Yeah, just, I, I think the ref at that point was just ready to get out of Dodge and, and, and end this game on a on a quick note and be done with it, you know. But, you know, and then the other one is, you know, the best chance of the match for Phoenix by far. You know, Billy Forbes hits the post in the 83rd minute with that sh- with that header. Just catches the wrong side of the post, and and then fortunately goes out of, you know out of play for a for a goal kick. But you know, four nothing. You just kind of tuck this one in the back pocket, throw it away, and and uh, you know look ahead. So Kavon Lambert in the middle of the midfield. It'll be interesting to see how uh, you know Chance will play it. You know Friday night against against Seattle. You know, does he just leave one central midfielder back there to, you know, does he go to back back to a four one three two maybe, or, you know, will you know will he go to a more traditional four three three? Do you think, or you know, it'll be it'll be interesting to see, but, you know, obviously some some big changes will be made in the midfield this week. Yeah, it might be interesting to see if Colin Fernandez gets back in the lineup because he's been out for some time and. uh I believe he's back from injury now. It's just tough to get back in the rotation when there's so many options. Um, a couple of takeaways I have from this one is, you know, the central defense needs some work, but that I'm sure will be grilled in training. Two things is, this is kind of just a game where I say, what if, what if that red card wasn't called in the late 30s? What if it was still 11 v 11? I feel like we had enough attacking in the second half to at least get a draw out of that potentially. And the second one is, is even down a man, Solomon Asante had a chance when it was still 1-0 off a volley that just missed the left post. Um, had that shot go in, gone in, how would the last 30 minutes have gone? Because you think about it, that could have been a very, very different match. Oh, yeah, it could have been a very, yeah. I mean, you get you get one, I mean, if you don't allow the free kick goal, you get something shortly after that. I think then you're thinking maybe, you know, maybe there's a chance in this game that you're down 2-1, maybe you can pull something back last minute, you know, to get to to get to 2-2 and, and get yourself a point, but, you know, to deal with move forward, so. It's a third straight win on and a row for Fresno there, and they are starting to look dangerous. They are starting to look dangerous, and obviously now you know, we get to the standings in a little bit. Uh, you know, above the above the playoff line now. That's a, that was a huge win for them. Three wins in a row, and now they're heading out to the road for four straight matches on the road. 
if they can pull some points on some road matches, look out. They could move themselves up into maybe a 5-6 position and, and really be a dangerous team for somebody down the stretch. Uh, uh, as, again, as the Thomas has been mentioned, maybe uh, it's, uh, it's a definite possibility. Um, do we do we want to talk much more about this match, or should we move to other things? Now uh, let's 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 get into previewing Friday's match. Obviously, the worst team in the uh, Western Conference, Seattle Sounders two, uh, FC two, comes into town. Uh, haven't won a game since uh, June tenth when they beat Oklahoma City. Uh, two to one, so that's a stretch of uh, five games. And now that they've lost in a row, they lost two nothing to Seattle uh, to uh, Real Monarchs on on Saturday night. Um, obviously, some players to watch. You know, for Seattle, their leading goal scorer uh, is David Estrada. He has eight goals on the season, so he's obviously their number one guy to to keep an eye on. Felix Chenkum is there with four goals on the season, and then Ray Sari has has a pair. Um, Jesse Daly leads the club in assists with the season. Uh, number one goaltender looks to be Callie, Callie Brown. Uh, he's made 11 appearances. Um, obviously, everybody knows of the goaltending troubles that Seattle uh, has had as a whole, not just the S2 team, but you look at the, the, the main roster as well. Obviously, they'd called Brian Meredith up for a while, uh, who, who got sent back down, uh, you know, because Stephen Fry came back. Obviously, they had Zach Lubin for a while, you know, and, and Zach is back with us now. So, you know, obviously, goaltending has been a little bit of an issue for them over there. You know, this should be a simple, straightforward match. You know, it, it, if they don't get three points out of this one, I think a lot of people are going to be wondering what the heck's going on. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. Um, I would be pretty stunned if we don't win this one by multiple goals, and that's that's not to sound cocky because you don't want to sound cocky. You can't really feel too cocky after losing the way we did. But I think that really shows just how poor Sounders 2 has been in, you know, recent weeks. And also the fact that it's a home match again that it had a really low chances in that kind of environment, and especially against Sounders 2. So I would... You know, I, I would expect like a, a three nil or a three to one kind of result. Yeah, I would. I would too. So let's move on to uh, some interesting scores week uh, for for the Western Conference. Uh, obviously, the big winners this week: uh, Sacramento Republic, three uh, one win on Tuesday on the road against Swope Park Rangers. That's a huge win for them on the road, and then to be able to follow that up with a one nothing win on the road at Colorado Springs. Uh, on Saturday, that's a huge six points uh, for for Sacramento, uh, you know, in the run up now. And obviously, you know, with, with those two wins uh, coupled with what happened with Phoenix, uh, Phoenix got pushed down a little bit in the standings, which we'll talk about in a little bit, you know, there as well. Um, but you know, going back to the Tuesday match, that was a real surprise that they, you know. We thought Swope was going to be a better team this year, and, and now Swope has really kind of fallen on hard times. They've lost two in a row and three of their last five, so they're they're really a team on a struggling uh, point right now. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't too much about them. I mean, we talked about it earlier. There have been stretches where they're not in the best form, and then there are stretches where they 
we've kind of everybody winning two, three straight. I think that's just the kind of team they are. They might have a couple losses that scratch your head, that make you scratch your head here and there. But I would still be stunned if they aren't top six, top seven when we get it all said and done. And a pain in the bed to deal with some playoffs. Yeah, exactly. They would be a really... They've always been a tough team, and I have no doubt they'll be that way You know, when we get down near the end. Um, how about this on Wednesday? How about the 10-goal outburst uh, in Oklahoma City with Oklahoma City winning 6-4 over Las Vegas Lights FC? Uh, Hugh Allen Dixon had a pair. Christian Valeski had one. Francis Atuane had one. Uh, Jamie Sai had one. Uh, Atiba Harris had one. And then for Las Vegas, in a losing effort, Raul Mendiola picks up a hat trick. That was just a crazy game altogether there, getting 6-4. And, and very stunning because these are two teams that have struggled to score goals at times this season. Um, Vegas' defense was certainly capable of this kind of performance or lack thereof. Um, but you still don't ever expect to be 10 goals in a match. Um, if you're Las Vegas, that's got to be a result that really has you scratched in the head. Uh, because you come off of a pretty decent home win. You know, granted the win, the one goal goes against the one of play, but it's still a pretty good home win. I, who did they beat last week? Uh, it was a I, one nothing win over St. Louis that, that they got. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a pretty respectable result. And then you have a chance to at least come away with a draw, and you can't even come away with anything that's OKC. I mean, that's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, that is a very tough pill to swallow. You know, and it got even worse for them towards the end of the week. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, Reno stays hot, 4-1 over LA Galaxy 2. A pair of goals from Jerry Van Awick uh, gets them their, their uh, 15th straight unbeaten. Uh, they continue to rocket up the standings, and now they're the team that's challenging uh, Real Monarchs for the top spot. Now, uh, you know, just just shocking altogether that Reno can just continue to put this streak together, you know, 14 straight or 15 straight. I mean, yeah, and and so impressive that you you can say it's close dose, but that's a team that we struggled to beat both times this year. For them to play a second road match in four days because they had just played on Sunday and then put a hurting on those shows. A team that has done a lot in the last couple months. It's millions about the kind of team that Reno has and the kind of danger they offer moving forward. You know, at the beginning of this streak, it was maybe them grinding out some warm mills, getting a couple draws here and there. Now they're starting to pull Golden at seven goals in the last two matches. So, I mean, look out. Thankfully, we don't have to play them for the end of the season. But the way that they moved up is scary, and and it is weird to see them now in that second spot. Yeah, definitely is. Uh, Some you know matches from Saturday. Rio Grande gets a two nothing win over Las Vegas. Like we said, Las Vegas hitting the tumble this week, and then Sacramento getting a one win over one nothing win over Colorado Springs. Big result. Here, Orange County gets a three nothing win at home over San Antonio. This was this should have been a game that that San Antonio really needed to focus on, and they just didn't come out very well. 
Thomas Ennevoldson gets a goal in the first half, followed up by Mats Bergman and uh, Michael Seaton, uh, you know, get the third goal there. Uh, the other interesting thing to talk about in this match was the debut of uh, goaltender Luis Lopez for Orange County, uh, picked up off of loan by uh, L- from LAFC. Uh, you know, Lopez was a you know a, a stalwart at Re- at uh, Real España in the Honduran League. Uh, also, has spent some time with the U20, U23, and the national club for Honduras. Uh, this is a big. This is a big pickup for them, and could help them down the stretch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the fact that he's only 24 uh, means that he's going to be part of LAFC's future for a long time. But uh, in the meantime, you know, you got to be pretty impressive to knock Andre Rolls out of a starting position, and it kind of gives them what we had last season—that two-headed monster and goal. Uh, two guys that are totally capable of shutting good teams out. And, you know, Lopez does it on Saturday in his debut. Uh, this is a guy that has 11 caps for Honduras already that, that was their starter in the Gold Cup. He was in net when we, when, uh, I shouldn't say we, when Mexico played Honduras at the University of Phoenix Stadium for that quarterfinal last summer. Um, so he's a big name and, an exciting get for OC. I mean, I, I would imagine that helps ticket sales a little bit. You, and you on the other end, <laughs> my goodness, San Antonio now six points out of eighth place. Yeah, and that's not that's not good, especially with the current form that they've been on. One win, two losses, two draws in the last five. You know, that's that's some big points that they've lost there. You look at you know a two nothing loss to Reno, a one one draw to the Switchbacks. That's that's one that hurts, and a one-one draw against Oklahoma City Energy. That's the bigger one that really I think could come back to haunt them eventually. You know, as you you lose points to a team that's that's you know that was struggling for a long time, and now they're a club that's really picked it up as of late. So I mean, you know, it's interesting some of the things that are happening around this league. You know, and especially when you when you look at this next score, we'll talk about. Uh, you know, Portland Timbers 2 is on a four-game losing streak coming into this match against Swope Park Rangers and pick up a key 2-1 win at home to keep their playoff, uh, you know, keep their playoff hopes alive. Uh, Foster Langsdorf and uh, Marvin Luria get goals in the first half for Portland Timbers 2 to end that four-game streak, you know, and, and get them closer to uh, Swope Park Rangers in the standings. Yeah, this is one that they really needed, um, not for their playoff hopes to be alive, but to really kind of feel secure there in that top eight, because with that losing streak, everyone else just started creeping up, creeping up, getting closer to the point where, you know, they lose that match. They're going to be in eighth place in the West. So it's a big win for them to stay, I believe, in seventh, but really to be within shouting distance of those uh, other clubs towards the top. Yep. Yep, definitely, definitely within shouting distance. And then the final result uh, from Saturday's uh, Real Monarchs we talked about earlier got a two nothing win over Seattle Sounders too. So that gets us to the end of the week. And now the standings uh, as as they as they sit 
It's Monarchs at the top, 41 points off of 19 matches played in first. It's now Reno in second place at 37 points off of 20 matches played. It's Sacramento Republic in third, 36 points off of 21 matches played. Phoenix Rising falls from second to fourth in the standings, 35 points off of only 19 matches played, though. It's Orange County in fifth, 33 points off of 19 matches played. Swope Park Rangers are in sixth with 31 points off of 19 matches played. It's Portland Timbers two in seventh at 29 points off of 19 matches played. And now rounding out the top eight, it's Fresno in eighth, 28 points off of 21 matches played. Now to the bottom half of the table, it's Colorado Springs in ninth, 25 points off of 21 matches played. St. Louis in 10th, 23 points off of 19 matches. It's San Antonio in 11th, 22 points off of 17 matches played. In 12th, Oklahoma City Energy, 21 points, 19 matches played. Las Vegas is in 13th, 20 points off of 18 matches. 14th is LA Galaxy, 2 at 19 points off of 19 matches played. It's Rio Grande Valley in 15th place, 16 points off of 18 matches. Tulsa is in 16, 13 points off of 19 matches played. Rounding out the standings in the West, Seattle Sounders FC2, 11 points off of 17 matches played. Obviously the big winners of the week, Reno and Sacramento, moving up into the top three, Phoenix Rising, one of the big losers, as well as Swope Park Rangers is kind of a big loser this week, falling uh, to their their two matches this week. So um, some key numbers to look at. Uh, Rising is six points now out of first, even on games with Monarchs, but they have games in hand against Reno and Sacramento. So that helps as far as the standings go for them uh, in in getting back up to the top two. There's a gap now down to eighth from Phoenix at 35 to Fresno at 28 at seven points. So that's a decent gap there. And then it's also down to ninth. It's a gap of 10 points. So obviously safety is is pretty good with the top four and maybe even top five when you look at the numbers with Orange County being eight points ahead of ninth place Colorado Springs. So you've got some padding there. Obviously another big loser on the week, San Antonio FC. They are really struggling and are really looking like they're fading right now. Yeah, I mean, all season we've talked about, you know, San Antonio should be fine getting in. It's more a matter of, like, when can they pick this up and, like, will they get up to maybe a six seed or will they just sneak in at eight? Now it's it's got to turn to just get in to the playoffs because, you know, last year Sacramento ended up in eighth, but they were pretty comfortable most of the season and it was just kind of a kind of a meandering finish that saw them get down to eight. San Antonio looks like they're going to have to work their butts off just to get in because the form that Fresno has been in, and they have, even though they have a lot of road matches, they're pretty winnable road matches. It's the Oklahoma trip, Atmos Dose, that's three of those four road trip, road matches. So they could get some points there. The other San Antonio is- needs to kick it in the gear, and none of the teams in the top eight now that Colorado Springs is out, none of those teams look like they're not pretty strong and pretty comfortable there. Now, the other interesting thing with San Antonio is they do have, get this, four games in hand on Fresno, four games in hand on Colorado Springs, two games in hand on St. Louis above them in the standings. So, I mean, that's one thing, I guess, if there's one saving grace for San Antonio right now, it's the fact that they do have matches in hand. 
Yeah, I mean, that's maybe that is something, but, you know, we've been talking matches in hand, matches in hand, matches in hand all season, and, you know, they had these same matches in hand a month ago, two months ago, and they're still stuck in the same place even further out of the top eight. Yeah, so it's not like they're getting more matches in hand. They just aren't capitalizing on their opportunities. And at what point is it going to turn around? Yeah. And then at the top, it looks like it's just going to be a dogfight for those top five, six spots. Um, it seems like there's a bit of a gap from those to the bottom team in the West. But, you know, top five, top six, it's really anyone's game. I mean, yeah. anyone can go get those seeds. And I mean... Right now, you have Orange County in fifth on 33 points, and uh, Reno in in uh, second place, and I think they're only on 37. Correct. So, I mean, yeah. everyone's right there. It's all right there for the taking, you know. Yeah. And that just makes it all the more important to get an easy three points this weekend and give ourselves as much as we can get because it, it looks like it's going to be a dogfight down to those last couple matches for a good home field advantage yeah and obviously we'll have some you know we've got a you know a fairly decent schedule down the stretch of games that you know are going to be you know good enough you know for us to to get three solid points you know you've got a vegas match in vegas on you know or yeah in vegas on the stretch you've got a, against seattle on the stretch you've got a game against portland on the stretch so i mean very winnable games down the stretch that you know if we can take care of these matches in the next couple of weeks, two, three weeks, obviously, you know, the key match being the Monarchs coming up in two weeks, if we can at least get out of there with a draw, I think that will help us out a lot, you know, going forward the rest of the season. Yeah, definitely agree. Uh, but I think the biggest thing now is just uh, maybe lick the wounds, but, you know, keep some perspective. Things are still pretty good. We still control our destiny at the top two. And, you know, just take care of business this Friday before looking forward to Monarchs. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. Well, do you have um, do you have any thoughts? I know we didn't get to supporter session, but maybe thoughts on the World Cup. You know, I, you know, thoughts on the thoughts on the World Cup first. You know, I, you know, congratulations to France. They they played a. A, a real solid game today against Croatia, you know, definitely, you know, a deserved effort, you know, for winning the championship. Uh, you know, it's great to see some of the guys, you know, uh, Antoine Griezmann get, get a, get a, you know, championship and Paul Pogba and, you know, obviously Killian Mbappe is going to be, uh, something special to watch over the next few years, you know, especially depending on where he goes for club, you know, but, you know, even with Nation only 19 years old, He's got another two or three cup runs in him, and and boy, that that could be interesting to see down the stretch. You know, I was glad to see England do as well as they did in the World Cup. You know, they should not take anything away from losing that third place match yesterday. Uh, you know, to Belgium. You know, I think the guys at that point, you know, were just, you know, you made it to the semis and and you put everything into it that you could. But uh, you know, hats off to to, to those guys there. And, you know. A very well-played tournament. You know, I, I just, you know, you, you very rarely see times where, you know, you have a lot of, you know, you have a lot of, a lot of uh, bad results, and you really didn't see that throughout this tournament. You saw a lot of, 
a lot of positive things, a lot of great, you know, a lot of great play, you know, just wonderful this this time around. It'll be interesting to see in four years when they play it in the winter time. You know, teams will, you know, nations will be, you know, three four months into club seasons and they have to shut down, and so that'll, you know, that'll really be a a thing to watch for the next World Cup coming around. It, it might also be a, a fun opportunity for people to go vacation to Europe in June and get to see a Premier League match or La Liga or something, because I imagine those league seasons will be going until the end of June now. Yeah, I would imagine so too. You know, so which, which will really make things interesting for you know for that cycle, especially for like preseason games and stuff. You may not see as many uh, uh, you know. Preseason games on the following cycle, where teams go over to you know over to the state, come over to the states, or whatever the case may be, you know, in that cycle, you know. But we'll, we'll have to wait and see how it, how it all plays out. Yeah, I mean, I, not to toot my own horn, but I think we can run the tape back, and I did call France to win this before it all got started. I no one could have predicted Croatia, though. No, nobody would. No, I met you know. Hats off to them. I mean, they they played their butts off the entire tournament, and you know, Luka Modric is one of those special types of players, and 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 Rakovic, and you know, you know, even even Daniel Subic was a was a a great goalkeeper for them. Not to not to fault what he did today, but you know, just you know, solid team all the way around, and what a great effort from them. Definitely, and maybe one other thing that's worth discussing. Um, not that you know, there's any rhyme or reason for it, but just the way that the draw shook out, it seems like the three best teams in this World Cup, France, Belgium, and Brazil, in my opinion, those are the three best teams in this World Cup. They all end up on the same side of the draw. And so for Belgium, you're looking at having to play two cup finals back-to-back after down Brazil. Um, I mean, it's, it's kind of unfortunate for them, but sometimes the best match in the tournament or the most evenly matched, you know, in the tournament is it happens in the semifinal. Yeah, uh, you can go back to you can go back to Spain, Germany in 2010. Um, you know, without Portugal shocking the world at the last Euro Cup, a lot of people thought that uh, Germany versus France was the big match. Those were the two best teams. Um, so it's kind of unfortunate not to see, you know, maybe one of those heavyweight teams play against France in the final, uh, but still. Great matches throughout, and uh, and kudos to Croatia for getting that far. Yeah, and just a fun World Cup all oh, around. But yeah, great fun World Cup all the way around, and, and congratulations to all the teams. And let's get the U.S. in. Yes, next time. <laughs> let's get the U.S. in in four years. Yes, <laughs> uh, I, I think we can make quarters in four years. Yeah. I'm actually pretty excited. I think this young generation, there's a lot of potential. Uh, I mean, Pulisic is going to be stronger today, and Sargent, and some of these other guys are just starting to come into their own. I think by 2022, I mean, because the goal has to be at least semifinals in 2026, and we're hosting. So I think by 2022, all the old guard is going to be phased out, and I think think these young guys, they could kind of have like an England moment this year where, you know, maybe a fresh start, younger squad, maybe a young manager gets them going. And um, I think it's 
very realistic and very fair to expect quarterfinals in 2022. Oh, yeah, especially when you look at what the U20 and U23 teams have done, you know, in the last couple of, uh, you know, World Cups, you know, for, for their for their uh, age groups. I mean, they've been so- strong, solid teams over there that they've sent, you know, and, and I have no doubt that, you know, you bring those guys up from that level, you know, at least some of them, and I think they'll perform well on the world stage. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be fun. I think I think the team will be starting to peak by the time that rolls around, and I it's very clear now that we're still a couple years away. But um, you know, it should be fun, and I think we have a good chance of you know maybe getting that 2021 Confederations Cup, get some of that experience, um, and and yeah, just just see what can happen yep. because this is probably the most exciting young bunch. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. Um, so that'll be nice. Yeah. Uh, but any any thoughts on USL before we go to closing thoughts? No. Um, no, we can go to closing thoughts. Um, actually, before before real quick before I, uh, I jump in my my closing thought, make sure you follow Firebird Soccer this week. Uh, I will be out at the Manchester United Club America match on Thursday night. So I you, will also be there. If you, if you if you don't if you don't uh, if you, if you don't get out to that game on Thursday, uh, check out FirebirdSoccer.net. I'll be there covering for for us. Uh, you know, I'll have some fun things going on there, and uh, you know, we'll we'll have an enjoyable uh, an enjoyable time with these teams coming to uh, coming to Phoenix. Yeah, that should be a blast. Uh, that'll be Thursday night, seven o'clock. I imagine that'll be on Fox Sports One. Um, Maybe another channel, but it's, I'm sure it's going to be on local TV. It's not national TV. Uh, Jeff and myself will both be covering this for Firebird Soccer, and um, hopefully we can get some nice access, maybe an interview or two. And I don't know. If I get into that press room post-match, maybe I'll have to ask a fun question to Coach Mourinho. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, maybe something involving his performance in third years. But uh, maybe I shouldn't do that. Um, the, the final thoughts I have is, you know, no one wants this result. Tough one, you know, four nil. It's why we aren't even recording it till Sunday evening because I don't think anyone wanted to discuss this game too much. But the show must go on, and uh, I, I think these guys can respond respond pretty well with Seattle coming to town and. You know, kind of the post that we had on Rising is one. Just keep some perspective here. We still are in a good spot. Uh, we might have even taken something from this match without the terrible red card. And, uh, you know, it's a tough result, but it's definitely not the end of the world. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the, you know, it's obviously the first, you know, real key moment of, of Rick Chance's uh, tenure, you know, with, with this real rough first loss. You know, you always hate to. You know, I hate to have one like that, but it does happen. You know, like I said, you know, it's not time to hit the panic button just yet. You know, but you know, this this is definitely a learning moment and definitely a time for for the guys to bounce back, have a strong effort against Seattle, and get ready for you know get ready for the stretch run. Obviously, you know, you hope in about three or four weeks, you know, you'll have Didier Drogba possibly back in the lineup. Um, you know. 
we'll, we'll wait and see, you know, where where that goes. You know, but for the most part, you know, you look at at the, you know last set of form of run. Obviously, one loss in the last seven matches. You know, like I said, it, you know it's a red card. You had thirty. You know, you had you know forty five minutes. You had to play down a man. You just hang on, do the best you can, get through it, and move on. And obviously, that's what that's what they'll do. And they'll come. If I know Rick Chance, he will have these boys ready and primed to come out Friday night against Seattle. I would be expecting goals. Okay. So, with that being said, uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, sorry for the phone podcast this week. We just had to do the best we could. Uh, but thanks for listening, and as always, go rising. Go rising. Stop that. Hi, I'm here with Tasha Zitowitz, yeah, <laughs> soccer fan extraordinaire, and my girlfriend. <laughs> Tasha, what are your thoughts on this World Cup? I'm just glad it's over. Um, can't say I'll miss it and the times that you wake me up super early in the morning to drive super far to watch any games. Um, uh, One eighth of me is really happy that France won because, you know, that little piece of me is from there. So, I mean, I can't say anything in France, but yay. But anyway, thank God it's over. Thank God it's every four years and not this won't have to happen again for a long time. You heard it here. Soccer analysis by not the biggest soccer fan. like to thank our sponsor Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is the official scarf supplier for MLS, USL, and US soccer. So be sure to go to roughneckscarves.com and get some of their products. We hope you enjoyed the show.